Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing and to part two of High Performance Habits for Investors with Brendan Bouchard. I am your host, Marco Santarelli. And as I mentioned last week on that episode, we went for so long during that episode recording that I've had to break it into two parts. So this is part two of my interview. And for those of you that haven't heard that episode and are just tuning into this for the first time, I do suggest listening to episode 118, part one first. But Brendan, as I mentioned in that episode, is widely considered the world's leading high-performance coach. He's one of the most watched, quoted, and followed personal development trainers in history. And he's also one of the most followed public figures on Facebook, and his videos have been viewed more than 100 million times. And he's also got a lot of students, more than 2 million students have completed his online courses and his video series. He's got some great books out there. The most recent is High Performance Habits, and I'm going through it for the second time now, so highly recommend it. Anyway, I'm honored to have Brendan on the show, and let us continue right after this quick message with my interview with Brendan Bouchard. A quick message from our sponsor, Producers Wealth. MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and president of Producers Wealth, is on a mission to help you achieve financial independence as soon as possible. He achieves this by integrating the infinite banking concept and real estate investments to increase your financial efficiency and recapture the cash flow that you're not even aware that you're losing. MC shares the number one strategy of investors in his holistic wealth creation course at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. So in kind of summarizing the first high-performance habit here, seek clarity, I like to think about how that applies to real estate investors and entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. So really, we're talking about developing skills and strengthening those skills, setting goals, and creating a roadmap and executing on those goals. Be the person you want to become. And one thing I remember you were saying, and I don't know if it ties in directly to this habit, but you at one point talked about replacing certainty with curiosity. And I love that so much because you can't learn, and maybe you should explain this, but you can't learn if you think you're certain or comfortable or confident about something. But if you live life with a mindset of curiosity, you're always open to learn more and new things. Yeah. I mean, this was a surprise because especially in the personal development industry, lots of people run around saying, hey, you know, what you really want in life is certainty. But the problem is if you get it, you'll be miserable. Right. <laughs> right. And there's never, you're never going to get it. So it's also the wrong target because in a world that's constantly changing in relationships that are constantly evolving, you're never going to be fully certain of anything, including yourself. And if you are certain of yourself, you've got an ego problem. Yeah. And so what we really want is genuine confidence and intellectual curiosity. And this is what the data showed as well. And confidence isn't certainty. Confidence is, I believe in my ability to figure things out. Real confidence is the ability that I know I can learn or adapt to do well here. Right. It doesn't mean I know everything. It doesn't mean I'm certain how it's going to go. It just means I trust in my ability to learn or adapt. And over a period of time, I'll do fine here. It's okay. I'll make it through. I'll survive. But the difference is when we ask high performers to kind of rate the things that were most important to them, curiosity was way up there. They really felt like that was a differentiator because curiosity makes you learn. 
Curiosity makes you seek clarity. Curiosity makes you better in relationships because you ask people questions. And if you ask people questions, if you're curious about other people, you deepen your relationships with them, which deepens your business with them. Right. And so that one hallmark, I mean, like Larry King is a great mentor and friend, and he says his number one secret to success in life, it was his curiosity. But so does every other major person that we aspire to. And they were ferocious learners and they were curious about life, whether it was a a Da Vinci or a Bill Gates or a Steve Jobs or Mother Teresa were all deeply curious about their topic, their area of expertise, but other people as well. And that allowed them to flourish. That's right. I love it. So habit number two, generate energy and preserve it. You want to summarize what that means? Yeah, this was the hardest one actually academically to measure is that we knew high performers had higher levels of energy, but we didn't really know exactly what that meant. And we codified it essentially into understanding that high performers have higher mental, physical, and emotional energy than other people. And this is important for your listeners because this blew my mind that if you own your own businesses and you're listening to this, if you're the CEO or the sole entrepreneur, if you like are doing your own thing here, you use the same amount of mental and emotional energy as an NFL quarterback does to succeed. We can measure it on those two things. Maybe not the same physical energy, obviously, on the field, right. but mental and emotionally, your output each day is the same as an NFL quarterback. And people don't think of themselves as athletes, but you are an athlete of the mind, and you're an athlete of the emotions, and you're an athlete of your physical body. And if you compromise any of those three, mental, emotional, or physical, if you compromise those, or you don't work on developing those or refueling and recharging those, you become the burnout. And you cannot become a high performer if you're consistently burning out. Though some people say, well, you don't understand, Brendan. I only sleep five hours a night. It doesn't compromise me. It does. You're just not aware of it because you're you know, basically dumb. And you don't know. And people get mad at me when I say that, but it's true. You, if you take a cognitive test after five hours of sleep versus seven or eight, it looks like you're like a sixth grader and you think that you're doing well, but there's a lot of bullies in sixth grade who also thought they were doing well, but they were wrong because sometimes you're not aware of what you're not aware of. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and true. The issue is so many people aren't really working on their emotions. They're not taking care of themselves physically and they're not using their mind to generate the energy that's necessary. It's like high performers have greater stamina energetically than other people. It's one of the reasons they outperform other people, but they don't have that by gift. They really work to make sure they're caring for the self. And that's one reason that this is just, obviously this is common sense to people. Well, that's what I was just thinking. It sounds like it's all common sense, but you're talking about it as if nobody does it. Yeah. Cause look how many burnouts there are. Right. Look how many people are wiped out and exhausted by Wednesday when they've got to be amazing until seven o'clock on Friday. It's like, it's not, are you getting through? And that's what most successful people, the boundary between a successful person and a high performer is often this one. It's the well-being. Really? Yes. It's often the energy that they experience throughout the week because you've been there and I've been there too. When it's a slog, yeah, you're succeeding, but you're not happy. Right. When it's a slog, yeah, you're getting through, but is life really about getting through? So it's about the quality of life you really want. And if you want it to be heightened, you've got to manage that mental, emotional, and physical energy better. And that's all the well-being stuff that we all know we should do. So the mental is probably, I would guess, 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the toughest one? I mean, people know how to take care of themselves. People know how to exercise. People know that they should be eating better and they, they can if they want to. I'm wondering if the mental piece is the one that people struggle with the most. Yeah. I mean, mental health is ultimately the great differentiator because physical, you might be able to say, well, some people have a specific genetic about it or emotional. Yeah. You could say, oh, well, we can't control our emotions, which is wrong. But yeah, mental, a lot of people just, they never give themselves the mental recharge they need throughout the day. Sure. Did you know the largest study that's ever been done on productivity with data, at least that's ever been studied, like millions and millions of people involved in, in a productivity app. And they ran a productivity study based on their interactions with the app. And they found out that the highest performing people in the world take a break on average every 52 minutes. Huh. You and I both know we don't necessarily quote unquote need a break every 52 minutes. You and I can go for four or five hours without a break. Sure. Yeah. But the highest performers in the world give themselves that mental break because they know that recharges them. I take a break every 50 minutes, not because I need it in the morning, but I know that refueling in the morning means I still got gas four, five, six, seven o'clock at night. And so what most people are doing is they're compromising themselves in the short term, not realizing the long-term damage. Mentally, that's why it's important to do the mental break the meditation, the step away from the screen, the closing of the eyes, the simple act of, you know, every 50 minutes, go get some water, walk around the building, walk around the house, come back in, get back at it. But give yourself that three to five minute break every 50 minutes. And you'll find that by the end of the day, you haven't like crashed. So this is not standing around the water cooler chit-chatting. You're implying that you're doing something more selfish, something for yourself. That's right. Yeah. You're closing your eyes, taking 10 deep breaths. Okay. You're taking a walk. You're taking a five minute meditation. In the book, we teach this thing called release tension, set intention, where you just push away from the desk or you stand up, you close your eyes for two minutes. You just focus on releasing the tension in your body and releasing the tension in your mind by releasing thoughts. Okay. So that can be a mantra based thing or a meditative based thing for people just for two minutes. And then once that's clear, once you feel the tension releasing, just lifting up a little bit, then you set your intention for the very next activity you're going to do. You set the intention, open your eyes, get back at it. Simple things. And there's like dozens of things that we list in the book that high performers do worldwide just to recharge a little bit throughout the day so that they're powering through the day, not slogging through the day. Simple stuff. Totally. Yeah. It's just a matter of doing it. A lot of these things, I think at the end of the day are not overly complicated and they're relatively simple. So it's just a matter of knowing it and doing it as opposed to wondering, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's ultimately your discipline is a choice whether you're going to be in the bottom 85% or the top 15. And it's not like high performers are special human beings that allow them to be in the top 15. High performers are dealing with the same thing everybody else listening to is that you and I deal with. High performers aren't different human beings. They're enacting different practices. They're activating themselves more consistently. That's all. I mean, a good example. High performers are 40% more likely to work out five times per week than the rest of 85% of the world, right? 40% more likely to work out five times per week. Now that five times might be a super fast 45 minute walk, or it could be any given kind of anaerobic or aerobic activity, but they're 40% more likely than the rest of the public to do that. I mean, if you told me, hey, Baron, 
there's a 5% more likelihood that you will achieve ultimate success in your life if you'll do this. I'd be like, absolutely. If you told me 40%, I'd be stupid not to. Yeah, that's a big number. It's huge. I mean, that's worldwide data. It's like, get at it, man. It's like everyone knows they should take care of their health. And so I hope that they will because I always tell people, if you're an adult and you've never said in your life, hey, these next 12 months, I'm going to get in the best health of my life. Whatever that means for you, you describe it. But if you've never given yourself that challenge, oh my gosh, give yourself that challenge. Because just what you'll learn about yourself through it will be worthwhile, let alone if you actually achieve little bits and pieces of it, you'll feel so much more incredible. And everyone listening knows when you feel incredible, you get more done. When you feel incredible, life is better. When you feel incredible, you know you're going to succeed beyond everyone else. No question. I wholeheartedly believe that. That is so true because I, I feel it. I know the difference when I'm into it and I feel it. So high performance habit number three, I love this one because I am very goal oriented, but your habit is believe in the necessity of achieving your goal. We all hear set goals, set goals, write your goals. You kind of take this to another level. How would you describe this habit? Yeah, this is the one, I mean, I didn't know would be in. I would have guessed this would made the top six because all of these are the strongest correlations with long-term success. And this habit is called raise necessity. And what high performers do is they mentally raise necessity. In other words, they make it necessary to succeed in the situations they're going into. If they're at the starter block of a race, if you got two people and they're equally qualified to win the gold medal and they're at the block about to start that sprint and you say, Brennan, which one's going to win? I'm going to say the one who's going to win this race is the one who believes it's necessary to win this race more than the other guy. And it's like, you have to use your mind to make it necessary. Because of course, in the context, winning is necessary there, but a person is using their mind differently. They're saying, listen, it is necessary for me to win this race because my mom would be inspired. This would be my way of giving back. It's necessary for me to win this because I put in the hours. It's necessary for me to succeed here because my back is against the wall. The bills are due. It's necessary for me to succeed here because my wife needs me on my A game right now. It's necessary for me to succeed here because my identity says that I'm a person of excellence. Because the service required here, there's stakes. There's really stakes here. I have to do well. And the high performers, it's just that they do that more often than underperformers. So they literally purposely do it. They ask like, okay, who needs me to be great here? Why is it necessary I do well here? They ask those questions that most people don't, but it literally is. They feel it in their heart. Like it is part of their identity as a person. They wasn't born that way. They made it that way by their self-talk. They say, I got to do great here. This is my time. It's necessary for me to win. People are watching. This counts. This matters. When most people wander into the meeting, the high performer goes, it's necessary for me to go in and crush this meeting. It's just a different self-talk and a different expectation. It's a higher expectation and a higher standard they have because they're raising intellectual necessity to do well. Are we fostering an obsession by doing that? Yes. And that's what you want to do. And we can't fear obsession. Look, there's two types of obsession. There's the obsessions that make you stupid and blind and ruin your life because everything else falls apart because you're obsessed so much. That's an unhealthy obsession. But... Steve Jobs was obsessed. Very. Martin Luther King had an obsession. John F. Kennedy, obsessions. Every Titan 
you study in any given area of business, they were obsessed. And the obsession, you can have an obsession, which just means almost like a monomaniacal like focus. Your obsession gives you the passion, the focus, the drive that is necessary, and you can't fear it. The people who fear obsession are the people who lack self-control. The people who have self-control, obsession can be a great differentiator. So we really write about the academic and theoretical differences in the book, but then we tell you how to activate it too, because for those who are arguing with me, by the way, right now, you're like, oh, that's not true. Obsession's bad. You just haven't done enough research. And I say that with respect. It's like a lot of people think things in personal development, but they have no data and they've not done the worldwide research to understand the human behavior. They just kind of go off of what they think. And this one, a lot of people go off. They're like, oh no, obsession's bad. I'm like, what research do you have on that? Like, tell me. But anyone you ever see, Pat Riley, you know, one of the winningest coaches in the world said to have long-term success as a coach or in any position of leadership, you have to be obsessed in some kind of way. You have to be willing to pour your heart and soul into something. Charles Dickens said, whatever I've tried to do in life, I've tried to do with all my heart to do it well. Whatever I've devoted myself to, I devoted myself to completely. Look, if you're going to be a great father, there's an obsession there. If you're going to be a great you know, spouse, there's an obsession there. It's important that people understand that. Da Vinci talked about it. Jim Rohn talked about it. People who actually do work at the highest levels, they know that. Yeah. Because you'll never have a sense of duty if you don't have a sense of obsession first. And you probably know you're there when you find that time passes by and you don't even realize that time is passing you by when you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's like there's a sense of flow that happens or a sense of urgency that happens that really yep. makes you love what you're doing. And obviously no one has an obsession unless they deeply have a passion and interest there. So no one listening should fear a deep passion and interest. And you can have a deep passion and interest as long as you're also vitally aware of your time and you're managing your time well so that you still have a time to be a good mom you still have time to be focused on your health. You still have time to meet your responsibilities well. So ultimately, obsessions only to be feared if you won't focus on your own time management. Yeah. Let's press forward because I want to respect your time because we're talking about time here. <laughs> oh, man, I can go through these last three kind of in, in one big bucket if it helps. Sure. Let's do that. So number four, increase your productivity. I'll let you kind of take it from here. This was an interesting one for me because you talk about a prolific quality output or PQO. So yeah, let's kind of summarize these last three. Sure. High performers obviously outproduce other people in general. They increase productivity over the standard norm. And that sounds like a no-brainer, except what happens with people is they often don't know anything about productivity at all. They think that busy work is what matters. They think that number of tasks is what matters. And they haven't distilled it down to what we call PQO, which is prolific quality output, which is what is the outputs in your industry or field that matter the most for you to succeed there? And for you to focus on those, what do we call the needle movers? What are the activities that move the needle the most towards your long-term success in that space and focusing on those? And the magical formula you need to learn is 60-40. 60% of your week needs to be focused on PQO, those needle moving activities doesn't mean you need to be one of these people who is an extremist says, well, don't do anything else. And you don't need to do the 80-20 Pareto principle because anyone who studied productivity knows that's actually not true. Because go ahead and try to give 80-20. 
in this world. It's not possible, but you can give 60-40. And that's what high performers do. That's what the data shows. They weren't doing 80-20 towards one thing. They were doing more like 60-40. And 60% of their time was focused on the main key activities that move the needle forward. 40% was, dude, dealing with the day. Dude, dealing with email and administration and stupid stuff that we all have to do. When they did those 60%, that was block time. That's all they did. The deep work, that time was protected. So you got to figure out what moves the needle most in your industry and focus there. That's increasing productivity. Then they also develop influences. The fifth habit, developing influences, all about understanding three things with people. Number one, that if you're going to have influence with other people, you have to teach them or guide them how to think. So if you're a leader, you have to teach them how to think about your business, teach them how to think about the competition, teach them how to think about the industry or the overall opportunity or world. You have to teach them how to think about themselves in that, teach them how to think about other competitors. So it's just about guiding people's thoughts. That's what develops influence with other people. It's also the second thing in developing influence is learning how to challenge people. You can't influence them if you can't challenge them. This is one thing that high performers do. They're more direct. They're more explicit in their communication. They're more willing to challenge someone and say, hey, young man, hey, young woman, you're better than this. They're willing to say, hey, I appreciate this report, but you can do better. Take it back. Try again. They're always challenging people. And that's how they develop influence. The third way they develop influence is they role model the way. I mean, you're so good about this with all your podcast. I mean, you literally live, eat, and breathe. You do this stuff. And that is why you have such a top-rated podcast is because they know they're coming to a source that walks the talk. And that's developing influence. And high performers do that on purpose. And then I'd say the last thing they do, the, the sixth habit, is to demonstrate courage. And they demonstrate courage not by jumping in rivers to save people, although maybe that happens, you know. That courage is really a function of two things. Are you sharing what you really want, think, feel, dream of, need with other people openly, honestly, and explicitly? In other words, courage is a function of your expression of truth. Does the world, does your peers, does your friend, does your family, does your spouse really know what you want, really know what you actually think, really know what you need? Because speaking up for yourself is a sense of courage. The other part of demonstrating courage, though, is speaking up for other people. High performers were more likely to interrupt a meeting to speak up for a coworker who just got shot down. They were more likely to cheer on somebody else when no one else was. They were more likely, in other words, to speak up for other people. And those two things culminate into the self and the social part. But the other part of courage is the willingness to every day Try something that you don't know how to do to reach an outcome you want. High performers actually spend more time in uncertainty than they do certainty. They spend more time trying and testing things out in self-experimentation than other people. Because self-experimentation, trying things, it takes courage to be willing to be wrong, to be willing to self-adjust, to be willing to try something way outside your comfort zones. And that's what they're doing. And so that's kind of the six, seek clarity, generate energy, raise necessity, increase productivity, develop influence, and demonstrate courage. And what I do in high performance habits is I break those down into what you do on the personal side and what you do on the social side. So it's a real world kind of book versus just like, hey, here's our fancy big study. 
It's like I break it down into 18 practices that anybody can do over and over and over again to achieve long-term success. Right. Yeah. And like I said, it is a great book. I highly recommend people pick it up, listen to it or read it at least once or twice. It can really help set the right direction for you and break through whatever hurdle you have in front of you. So just in wrapping up, I just want to ask a quick question about the courage thing. A lot of people kind of hold themselves back on building courage because they have to overcome a fear. And fear is really the opposite of courage. And you may have answered this question, but I think a lot of people have a hard time breaking through fears. Do you kind of have a hack or a tip or suggestion on how someone can get past their fear so they can work on building their courage? I know it sounds like it's all in one, but... Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And I think where you said, you know, fear is the opposite of courage. I think if a lot of people feel that and it almost puts them in two camps. That's right. Assume that you know, when you have courage, that fear isn't there. But the truth is fear is always going to be there. That's right. So the way to overcome fear is to know you're not supposed to overcome it, that it is going to be there. You need to dance with it. Like when I go on stage in front of 25,000 people, I, I spoke to 55,000 people in the last five months live, arenas, conference centers, hotel, ballrooms. I mean, I was out there and I'm backstage. I'm still feeling the fear, but I allow the fear to mobilize me because the fear isn't the focus, the objective, or getting more mind share than the mission is. Right. That the mentality, you have to have your mind fixed on a bigger star than yourself. When it's fixed on yourself and how you feel, when the mentality is like, how do I feel here? And you obsess about and worry about and sort of ennoble the fear to take over. Instead, it's get your mind into what your objective is. Get your mind into what you do want. Put yourself and yourself talking and saying, okay, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to step it through here. Then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do that. Because that starts giving your mind confidence that you'll be able to activate and figure things out. And just allow the fear to be there. Just don't let it win. And instead, use your mind and your self-talk to focus on the objectives you do know or you do want. That's number one. That's in the performance situation. Your preparation before the performance situation matters just as much because fear can be overcome by habituation, meaning get in the proximity of it. Do it a lot of times. Practice, 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 practice. And if you can practice, 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 and have a, a mentor or a guide giving you feedback, then by the time you actually get there, you've run that route so many times that you're comfortable with the fear. And frankly, you're not even thinking about the fear anymore. You're thinking about all the practice and all the distinctions you've learned. So preparation can really help you obliterate that sense of fear. And then when you're in it, if the fear is still there, let it be there and focus on the objectives and your stepping through. And you know, I've worked with a lot of really advanced military personnel. It's like one of my great blessings. Yep. When they're training them to go on a mission, they run that as a tactical unit over and over and over again. And it's not that the fear is not going to be there. The adrenaline is not going to be there. They're just focused so much on what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? That that conversation in their head, well, if I open this door and there's a bad guy there, then I do this. If I open the door and the bad guy's not there, I advance to door number two. I go to here. Like they tactically walked it through in their mind so many times that even though the adrenaline, the fear is there, they know the next step. And that gives them the confidence above the fear. Yeah, good point. So for real estate investors, I would summarize that as work hard, expect setbacks, expect some frustration, but persist through it all. And <laughs> get a mentor who can follow, who's aspirational, who can give you some feedback. Like especially in any investing level, 
having mentors or other people to discuss and dialogue through, be in a mastermind, discuss and dialogue through, because a lot of fear is actually overcome in discussion. And when you talk things out, people give you other perspectives and it helps kind of lessen that emotional hole yeah. that fear can have when you see that everybody else deals with it too. Yeah. This is all powerful stuff. I know we can talk for hours about this and you do anyway. I mean, you spend literally hours, if not a whole day in front of people talking about this stuff. So before we give out your website and whatnot, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we wrap this up? Man, just real gratitude and props. If you're still listening to this, the work that you are putting in right now in your personal and professional development matters. So keep listening to this podcast. Keep following Marco. See what he's doing because this time you put in today, these little distinctions, they add up over a period of time that becomes a true force in your sales to push you forward. Thank you, Brandon. So Brandon, you're an amazing guy and you have a lot of great and amazing content. Where can our listeners find out more about you, your books, and your programs? Because I know you have a lot of great content out there. Yeah, I think it's easy. You guys are listening to podcasts right now. So just open your podcast app and search for my podcast, which is called The Brandon Show. So if you liked anything that I talked about today, just go to The Brandon Show and listen because I talk about it every week. But also kind of an Easter egg we put in there for people and you won't see it unless... When you go to The Brandon Show, make sure you hit download all episodes because season number four of The Brandon Show is the entire audiobook of High Performance Habits. It's literally there for free. There's no sales or pitches in it. I just took the audiobook and I literally uploaded it as season four as an Easter egg in there for my audience. And uh, so nice. if you've been my audience, you probably found or heard about it. I just did it to reward the people who literally download all my episodes and people freak out about it because, I mean, you can go buy the book for <laughs> 30 bucks on Audible or whatever it is, or literally get the whole thing, just subscribe to The Brandon Show, season four, because people are always asking for that. And that's it. Just go to The Brandon Show, listen, tune in, figure out what you want to work on in your life, come to each episode intentional. And we talk about all things personal professional development three times a week. And your website is brendon.com? Yeah, B-R-E-N-D-O-N. So not Brandon, not Brenda, Brendan, <laughs> B-R-E-N-D-O-N.com. You can go there and learn all about me or again, just- Okay, and I'll make sure that all of that is in the bottom of the show notes so you can click on it on your phone or on our website. So Brandon, thank you ever so much for all your time today. You're a wealth of knowledge and you're very inspirational. I look forward to seeing you at your next event. And again, thank you for coming on the show today. Man, thanks for being the high performer in this field, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, and you too. I really hope you enjoyed that two-part interview with Brandon Bouchard on High Performance Habits for Investors. In wrapping up here, don't forget to download our free report, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. It is a fantastic, fantastic little mini ebook, if you will. It's been downloaded literally thousands of times. And so feedback has been great. It's being turned into a full-fledged book. So keep an eye out for that. We hope to have it out in the last quarter of this year, if not the beginning of 2019. If you are looking to invest in real estate, don't forget to talk to one of our investment counselors and get yourself a free strategy session. That's what they're there for. We're here to help you. And if you have any questions about real estate investing, just click the Ask Marco button at the top of the website at PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. I am happy to respond and answer your questions. I'll cover some of those here on this podcast. And just give me some time to respond. I'm very busy. I travel a lot. So if I don't reply right away, just understand that I do have your email. I just haven't had the time to get to it yet. 
And that's about it. So again, thanks for listening. We appreciate you being a subscriber to this show and we will see you again on the next episode. time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.